And once again, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the New Testament book of Matthew, which is the very first book in the New Testament, and to chapter 6, and we're going to pick up things again where we left off last week, and just by way of uh, welcome, again, we want to welcome each one of you. My name's Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today, and last week we took a look at this passage from Matthew, and the context being that Jesus is speaking, and he's bringing teaching into what it is to be a follower of Jesus and speaking about the kingdom of God and how we've seen over the last couple of weeks how we gain access to the kingdom of God as we come through Jesus through repentance and putting our faith and trust in him and we keep explaining that and then when that happens then things change and now Jesus is beginning to talk about what is it like to sort of live in this kingdom of God and how that affects our values and how that affects every aspect of our life. And so last week we took a look at money and possessions and wealth and how that really battles with us over who's God and Lord of our life. And now Jesus begins to today discuss things like prayer and fasting. So that's where we're going to pick up uh, the passage this morning. And we're going to read through it and then we'll do a bit of an intro and then we'll just look at a couple of key things as prayer is such an important part of our life. And uh, Jesus is clear in giving us some help in that. So let's pick things up. And we're going to read Uh, From Matthew chapter 6, we're going to pick up at verse 5. And Jesus says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do or as the pagans do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, so just as way introduction, and again, sort of a quick review, because some of the similar phrases are used this week in regarding prayer and fasting, which are more sort of can be outward signs of our walk with God, just as giving, and specifically giving to the poor was, and how Jesus talks about how these public acts of obedience, okay, what is our motivation for them? Are they for God? In that case, which is great, and as we said, a lot of things we do are for public things. We don't just hide our good works. We're always doing good, and sometimes with prayer and giving to the poor and all that, but if our internal motivation is to be a people pleaser and to please other people, then Jesus is saying that's not acceptable. And yeah, you're still going to get good and there's some reward and people patting you on the back, but that's it. There's no eternal reward with it. 
and we get introduced to this whole idea of which can be kind of scary and kind of exciting and encouraging is that God knows our hearts. So God knows when we give, when we pray, okay, when we fast. God knows our hearts. God knows what our motivation is and who we're doing it for. And that can kind of be scary because you can kind of think, well, if I'm honest with myself, then sometimes I really am doing good actually for selfish motives. It's making me feel better sometimes. Or maybe we feel like we've got a good reputation because people know I'm a good guy giving all these things. But the encouraging part is, is that when you give in secret, when you pray in secret, and other people don't even know you're doing it, your father sees it. And that's really encouraging to know that when you're praying, and a lot of times as we talk about prayer, you're going to be praying on your own. No one else even knows you're doing it. You can think, what difference do my prayers make? But your father sees. Hallelujah. That's encouraging. Not only does he see, as we're going to see, he rewards as well. And we recognize that today's passage, okay, it's familiar if you grew up sort of in any church background, a very familiar prayer. I've been at many events where we've prayed this sort of prayer, and people I know who would even say that they're not Christian, they don't go to church, they can quote this prayer. <laughs> so it's a very familiar one, but it's good to go over it again because we realize prayer, that communication, talking, relating to God, listening to God is so vital in our relationship, just as it is in any other relationship but again jesus is driving home how it's so important that our heart is right with god that we have the proper motives for doing good and that's what jesus is concerned with our motivations now in jesus day as with the pharisees and that this is what happened a lot of the times okay it was a very public display when it came to giving and when it came to fasting you think what do they mean by putting disfigured faces and all of that stuff. A lot of times in Jesus' day, people prayed out loud. So part of Jewish culture was very much you pray in the morning, pray in the afternoon, you pray in the evening, very public. And sometimes, as uh, I can imagine as some preachers are today, people can ramble on. And sometimes the, the thinking was, the longer I pray, the more powerful the prayer. And the louder I pray, the more the prayer will get answered. And if I repeat the prayer over and over again, then I will be successful. And as we see in Jesus' life, okay, Jesus is saying, okay, it's not that you can't pray a long time. It's not that you can pray loud. It's not that you can't pray in public because Jesus did all those things. And if you look at Jesus' life, he prayed for a long time. He'd stay up all night and pray. And Jesus prayed in public, and the early church prayed in public. And Jesus taught about prayer, and he said, you know, you can be persistent. So it's not that you can't repeat the same prayer over and over again. But again, it's what is your heart in doing it. And if you think there's just a secret formula that, hey, if you just ramble on, and if you can make it past 30 minutes, you can pass 60 minutes. If you can have vocal cords that can go long enough to shout to God, and if you can repeat the magic phrase over and over again, then poof, the genie comes out, and you get your three wishes. And sometimes we can think prayer is like that. And Jesus is saying there's an alternative. He's saying, don't be like that. And thankfully, he just doesn't stop there. He doesn't sort of stop with, don't do these things. Instead, he gives us an example. He gives us a model for us to follow in prayer. He's saying, don't be like those things, but here, this is what I want you to be like. And this morning, we're just going to take a look at these, this model prayer, how it can be an example. And starting out, we see that Jesus, and this is so key, begins with God. So it's kind of broken down into six 
things. The first three sort of petitions start with God. So that's really, really important that when we come to prayer, we talk about this all the time in worship, we start with God. And then it transitions halfway through to our own personal needs. But you have to notice that our own personal needs are caught up in the context of community. So it's us. It is we that come together. So this whole context of prayer is actually in community. And so it's not just our own. We can use it certainly for our personal prayer, but we're going to see how our prayers are connected together and how our relationships affect our prayers. And actually our prayers can be hindered. And that's the things we're going to take a look at today. So let's begin in our prayer, in our model, in our example Jesus is teaching us that our prayers can be simple and direct. Hallelujah. That is good news. Okay, that is good news. I'm glad that we can teach our kids simple and direct prayers. And the great thing as we get started is Jesus begins with God and Jesus introduces something that is totally radical in relationship to God. And Jesus is the first person to come along, and as we see recorded in Scripture, he's the first one to have this relationship that he calls God his Father. What a radical thing. So Old Testament, you can, again, no one ever called God Father. Now, there were inferences, references to God, that he's a father to the fatherless. You can read in the Psalm, Psalm 68. Kelly just read it the other night. But no one actually dared call God, Yahweh, the great I am, Father. And yet Jesus called him Father. It's a sense of being personal, this closeness, this intimacy of knowing God and God knowing Jesus. Now folks, here's one of the most beautiful, deep, profound, incredible joys and privileges of when we become Christians and we put our faith in Jesus and you don't want to miss this, so we've got to focus on this one just for a couple of minutes, is that we, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as a Savior, He takes away our sins. We'll talk about that a little bit. Okay, when we realize that He's Lord of our life and not us, that He's our Master. There's incredible privileges that come with that. And one of the biggest ones is that the Bible says we are in Christ. We're in Christ. Therefore, we're brought into this relationship with Jesus that's been forever with his Father, with the Holy Spirit. We call the Godhead, the Trinity, the personhood of God. One God in three persons. When we are in Jesus, we are brought into that great community of being with Father, Son, Spirit. And as foreign as it might seem, and as hard as it might seem, we have the privilege because now we are in Christ, that we can pray like Jesus and we can start our prayers with our Father in heaven. Now for many of us, that's a really difficult thing. Okay? And I've been with many people hearing them pray. They start out and they call God creator, which is true, our maker. People can go through all kinds of different things, but they can't get to being able to say our Father. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. Sometimes people feel, you know what, I'm not good enough. How could I ever call God Father? And I just say, well, you're right. You're not good enough. (laughs) 
But we don't come in our own goodness, do we? We come through Jesus. And God desires a relationship with us that we can know him in a close and near way. It still makes him Lord of the universe as we're going to see. But we can't run past it. We get to call God Father. Abba in Aramaic. And folks, Abba is one of those words, okay? It means father, it means dad. And there's two parts to it. One is, that's what a little child would say to their father. Daddy, dad, Abba. But folks, I don't want to lose, okay? In the culture, people, adults would call their father still Abba. So there's a respect and a reverence that goes along with it. Do you see how the two are blended? Sometimes we can kind of cheapen it and think, oh, daddy. And there's a part of that's true, that yeah, we can run to our father, just as Aaron expressed in that prayer, run into you, dad. But we don't lose the respect and the reverence and the awe when we come to God as our father as well. And that's why we also have this whole thing of authority and the sovereignty. Okay? He's our father who cares. What a great phrase. He even knows what you need before you even ask. What a caring father. But yet he's our father in heaven. He is all the things that we've been proclaiming today. He is sovereign. He rules over all. He's the Lord of the universe. He's the Lord of the past, the present, and the future. He has all authority. And he's holy. He's set apart. There's no other one like God. Okay? He's pure as pure, righteous as righteous, just, merciful, all these things. And because of who he is, we want to honor his name. So Jesus is saying, our Father in heaven. So we have this intimacy, this closeness that our dad cares in heaven. He's a great God. Holy, hallowed be your name. We're saying, God, we want to honor your name because you are holy, set apart, just, righteous, and therefore we want you to be honored in our lives, in our minds. So what Jesus is doing when we pray, what's one of the main things that we're getting tuned in to who we're praying to? Our minds and our hearts. So we start with and folks, this is a lot. We're teaching how to pray. So this is like a teaching this morning, but this is like we get to apply this right away. So some of you at prayer meeting, you're wondering, like, how do I learn how to pray? This is the model. You start with God. And folks, how many times do we come to prayer? And I'll put myself as first of the list, okay? Most of the time, okay, it's really hard to get praying. Most of the time, there's other things to do. We're busy. There's other entertainment. There's things. And sometimes you think, oh, man, my prayers don't even mean anything. Why even bother? And we come in and are just like, okay, God, here I am. I know I should pray. And out of guilt, and I've told you before how I kind of do it, feel like I'm at the dentist, okay? I need to floss. I need to floss. I know it's good for me. I'm going to see the dentist one day, and I know that I'm going to be accountable. And I kind of feel like that way with prayer sometimes. Like, okay, God, I know I should be doing this. I know it's good for me, and it's right, but I don't want to do it. And how many times do we have to start, and we say it all the time, okay? We enter in in the flesh, okay? We come, and we don't feel a thing. We don't feel like praying God. We don't even know if God even exists sometimes. But as we begin, and as we follow this pattern, and we begin to meditate, and we begin to speak out who God is, something changes. And as we come and say, Father, our Father in heaven, you know what I need more than even I know. Father, you're a caring God, Father, you're involved. You're God of heaven. You know all the things. And we begin to meditate on that you're the great King Jesus, that 
you are praying for me right now, that you're interceding, and we begin to meditate on who God is, then all of a sudden, guess who changes? God hasn't changed at all. I've changed. Because my mind and my heart and my spirit now begin to line up with who God really is. And then all of a sudden, hmm, I'm tuned in to God. And all of a sudden, praying can be actually enjoyable and rich and deep. And then I begin to go, why haven't I been doing this all along? And prayer begets prayer. As you begin to pray, you want to pray even more. But you've got to get started. And this is how you get started. You begin to speak out. Okay, most of the time, you're going to be on your own. You begin to speak out. Okay, you take control over your thoughts that are going everywhere, and you begin to speak out the character and the names of Jesus. And as you do that, then you begin lined up to say, God, you're holy. I want your name to be honored in my life, in our city, all those things. And that leads us to praying where he prayed, your kingdom come. And we've been singing about this morning. God, we're praying. And we're not praying for geography. We're not praying for a piece of land. We're not praying for God to come in just a certain temple or a piece of land. We're praying for God by his spirit to come in people's lives, in people's hearts. That's what we're praying. God, let your kingdom come. God, let it come in my heart. Let me line up with you. And we begin to pray. Lord, let your kingdom come in people's lives. Let your rule and reign come in people's lives that don't know you. Okay? You come into people's lives that we think are perfect, but don't have you come into their life. People who are broken come into their life. As your church, let your kingdom come. Let your manifest presence come. That we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. That people would know the love of God. People would know this good news. That's what we're praying. Lord, let your kingdom come. Do you see how that's the launching pad to all kinds of other things? Again, this is a model. It's not just verbatim that you can you know, repeat it without even thinking, oh, I got my prayer in today. I repeat it the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching us how to pray as a model. But these are all launching pads. Our Father, that's a launch pad onto our intimacy with God. In heaven, that's a launch pad into how great and sovereign God is. Let your kingdom come. That's a launch pad into what do we mean by the kingdom of God? Oh, yeah, we mean God, your rule and your reign in people's lives and people's hearts. And you begin to think of, oh, God, I know so many people, Lord, that I need your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. And that's what we get into. What is the will of God? Okay. This helps me. Okay, so I'm giving you some hints here today. When I think about the will of God, I break it into four categories, and this helps me in my prayer life. And if you're beside me at TAG at our corporate prayer meeting, you're probably hearing me pray through these things all the time. Because we can think, okay, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Now let's think about this. On earth as it is in heaven. So if you want your prayer life to be stoked, learn a lot about heaven. Okay? Learn a lot about heaven. And as you learn a lot about heaven, you want heaven on earth. And one thing we realize in heaven is people know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So when I begin to pray, Lord, let your will be done, I begin to pray for salvation to come. People in heaven are forgiven of their sins. They're made right with God. They get to call God their Father. They get to see Jesus. There's no fear. There's no evil. 
There's no, all these things that sin, that tie people up. People are right, right with God because of Jesus. So when we say, Lord, let your will be done, okay, on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying for salvation for people. We're praying for people's hearts to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, that can keep you going for a long time because I know a lot of people who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So that one little phrase, let your will be done, okay, on earth as it is in heaven, that can keep you going for a long time. And you begin to think of, oh God, I know family that don't know you. Lord, please, Lord, open their hearts. Lord, we're just singing it, joy to the world this morning, weren't we? We say, oh God, let them prepare hearts that have room for you. Okay? That's what we're asking for. We're asking, God, would you prepare hearts? Lord, we're praying this. Okay, Brent and I, Friday afternoon, we're praying. Okay, God, on Sunday morning, Lord, would you prepare hearts? Even on Saturday, would you prepare hearts to hear the word? Would you prepare hearts to meet you and worship, Lord? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. This week, as I'm sharing, at this Christmas season, let hearts be open to this good news of Jesus. That is praying the will of God. Because we read things like this in the Word of God. We read this in 1 Timothy. That God desires that none should perish, but all should be saved. Okay? So I'm going to pray the will of God. What else do we pray? We pray for healing. Oh, we pray for healing. In heaven, no more sin, no more, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more broken bones, no more dis-ease. There's peace, and there's joy, and there's order, and there's alignment, both physically and emotionally, and socially, and psychologically, all those things. There's healing in heaven. Hallelujah. And we want that on earth. And so we can pray for the sick. And we lay hands on we say, in the name of Jesus, please be healed. Okay? And sometimes we see people healed. Wynn had a great testimony. Okay? He's been sharing. And sometimes people don't. We say, come on, Lord, we need more heaven on earth. We're praying and we're asking for your will to be done. And we pray that for emotional needs. And we pray that for people in so many different ways. Okay? And we pray for deliverance. We pray for those people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and porn and all these things that bring death. And we pray, God, let your kingdom come. People aren't addicted to things in heaven. Okay? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Please, God, let your power come. Let the word go forth. Let your gospel be preached with power that people could be delivered. We pray for people to be delivered from demonic and evil spirits and unclean spirits as we see in Jesus' day. We do that today as well. We cast out demons in the name of Jesus. People get freed up so they can know God. They can walk in obedience to Him. People get delivered from mindsets that are the wrong mindsets. Okay? So some people have such low self-esteem and they have such a low view of themselves and we want them freed up from that to know who they are in Christ. Some people are so proud and arrogant, we want them to be humbled <laughs> before God. We want them to be delivered from these things that lead to destruction. And we pray for a release. We pray for a release of people to be sent with good news. We pray for people to be released in their giftings that the Holy Spirit has given to them. We pray for a release of joy as we are praying here this morning. We pray for people to be free, to be able to go to all the nations to make disciples. Folks, that is praying the Lord's Prayer. That is the model for prayer that we pray. Now, can you see, folks, okay, Friday afternoon, yesterday, 
this morning. How many people is like, I don't know how to pray for Connecticut. I don't know how to pray. I don't even know where to begin. And people are just like frozen because of the tragedy that's taken place. Folks, in everyday life, can you see how I prayed the last two days and using this as a model? Okay, we'll just stop right here for a minute and just say, this is how you can pray. You can say, our Father in heaven, okay, Father, I just come, and you can be honest with God and say, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm sad, I'm scared, I'm a bit selfish that I'm still alive, all those things. God, you know all things, you see all things. Okay, God, we need your salvation in that community. We need you to turn what was meant for evil, God, which somehow, as only you can do, you turn it to good. Would people turn to you and not towards bitterness and hate and all those things? We need salvation. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Lord, let people turn to Jesus and know him as Savior and Lord. Let salvation come to that place. And then we pray, Lord, let your healing come. Lord, pray, please, Lord, bring healing emotionally. Lord, bring healing to that community, Lord. Bring healing. Just as Darren was praying this morning. That's a heart cry prayer. God, would you bring deliverance, God? Would you bring deliverance from the trauma that these kids have experienced that it wouldn't affect and ruin the rest of their lives? Lord, would you come in Prince of Peace? Would you come and deliver them from fear and nightmares and all those things? That's what, how we pray. God, we pray for a release of love. God, we pray for a release of good news to come out, Lord, and story after story of how God, only you, can work a miracle through tragedy. That's how we pray. Now, you can do that with tears. Okay, absolutely. Sometimes we don't even know. Sometimes it's hard. Okay, the Holy Spirit comes. He brings those things too. Okay, a couple times just at the computer yesterday, just start weeping, just reading the things. Well, that's, that's our prayers to God. But you see how this is a model for us to pray. So if you don't know where to start, this is how you start. You start with God, who he is, and you start to pray for heaven to come to earth. So get educated about heaven, okay? And then pray these things. And I'm helping you out. You can see how we can pray these four things all the time. God, we need salvation. We need you to save people from their sins, okay? From a path that's leading to hell. And we need you to come with your healing in every way. And God, we need deliverance from these things. And God, we we need a release. That's how we pray. It's not a formula. It's a model. It's an example. They're launching pads to get you started. God, I don't even know where to start. Jesus is saying, this is how you pray. And then Jesus, as we get our hearts and our minds focused on who God is, our faith rises to believe God, that he cares, that he's our father, that he has all authority in heaven and earth. As we begin to get stirred up, not by our own greed, but by the will of God, by the kingdom of God, by what God wants to, then we can get to transition and we get to pray for our own daily bread. And here, Jesus referring to all the daily necessities. Now, here's the key. Jesus means needs, not greed, okay? Clothing, food, shelter. Okay? And in Jesus' day, many, many people, you know how they got paid? They got paid on a daily basis. Okay? So if you got sick, and you couldn't work, guess what? You didn't get paid. So it's very poignant that Jesus would come right down to every day you get to pray for your daily bread, your physical 
daily bread. And if you ever need a reality check of praying this, okay, then I encourage you, as uh, Kelly just said earlier, go on our sandwich run. Okay, sign up, be a driver, go serve. Every second Sunday, deliver 300-plus sandwiches, and you'll see a whole different side of Fredericton, and you'll realize that many people today are praying for daily bread. And that will humble yourself, because even though we're encouraged to work hard in the Word of God, absolutely, and as I said last week about money, Okay, we can work hard, we can store, we can save for a family, we can be prudent, all those things. But even your ability to work is a gift from God. So we're not into being self-sufficient. That, that's for those people over there, but I can take care of myself. Even you taking care of yourself, that is a gift from God. And we recognize that God provides our daily bread. Now here's the thing. Jesus connects daily bread right up here, with an and. So Jesus is saying, it's not just enough for your daily bread, there's a spiritual part to things that goes beyond just your everyday getting fed, clothed, and a roof over your head. There's a spiritual connection. He's saying it has to do with forgiveness. So that's why as a Christian community, we're not just about feeding the poor, which we are, and clothing the naked, which we are, Jesus commanded to do all those things, we don't just stop there. We actually talk about Jesus. Okay, that's what makes us different from other uh, social things that try to help, is that we believe there's a connection between helping physical needs, but there's a bigger need, and it's a spiritual need, and it has to do with forgiveness. And Jesus says this, okay? Forgiveness is key. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So folks, our greatest need is this. And you might think about in planet Earth, you think, what is the greatest need on planet Earth? And we can think, well, man, it's global warming, it's all these things, it's food and famine and it's sickness and all these things and epidemics and all different things. Our greatest need on planet Earth is this, is to be restored into a relationship with God, our Father, our Creator. That's our greatest need. Our greatest need is actually forgiveness. And Jesus is saying here, this has to do with once we, in our relationship with God and each other, but our biggest thing on planet Earth is we need to be forgiven by God. We have to understand that there's a debt, and Jesus used that term, that's a debt, it's a payment that we owe against God, first and foremost. The Bible calls it sin. It says that when we do things wrong against God, whether we kind of know it or not, we're guilty before God and we need to be forgiven. And those can be sins of commission, things we do that go against God's law and it separates us. There's a penalty to be paid. They can be sins of omission as well. Things that we should have done, that we knew were right, that were good, and we didn't do them for whatever reason. And in Jesus' day, in that Roman world, this is what they do. If you had a debt, the Roman soldiers would write it out on a piece of paper and you would have it given to you as a written piece of paper saying why you are indebted to this person or that person. And actually, that's what Jesus had written above him. When Jesus went to the cross, what did they do? They wrote a written paper and they nailed it to the cross. 
And Jesus on the cross, as we see at Easter, when he was on the cross, he took all the debts. Because he didn't have any debt. And this is why it's a model prayer. Jesus didn't pray this prayer because he never had any debt. He was perfect. But what did he do? He took the paper that was for Tyler. He took that one. And for Andrew and Janet, we can go through. He took every one of those papers where he had none. And on the cross, he took that payment of debt. And by his blood being shed, he paid the payment so that we could be forgiven. Because there was justice. Somebody had to pay the penalty or else God wouldn't be just. But God is merciful, so he gave a substitute, his own son, Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we're so passionate about people knowing why Jesus truly came. And we just sang it, that beautiful song, Emmanuel. Okay? He was born to bleed. And on that cross, he paid our debt. And that's called justification. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that he gets us right with God, we are justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. And that's a once and for all, as Gary prayed. Jesus, once and for all. That's our biggest need. And Jesus is saying, when you do that, when you put your faith, as he lived to tell more about putting our faith in Jesus, and as we're justified, as we go free, that affects every aspect of our lives. Primarily this. As we've been forgiven, even though we didn't deserve it, because an innocent man took our place, as we understand the magnitude. I was guilty before God because of my sin, and there was nothing It was such a big payment, I could never pay it, but Jesus paid it. Hallelujah for grace. That is amazing grace. Now with that perspective, guess what? I can forgive Angela, my wife, sometimes when she wrongs me, because in comparison to me being forgiven, I have freely received, therefore I can freely give. And Angela can forgive me. And in the context of community, Jesus is saying, because we are forgiven people, because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, okay, we can forgive others. You see that? Forgiveness, you can really only give forgiveness once you've received it yourself. So you have to understand what it is to be a forgiven person in order for you to give forgiveness. And Jesus is saying, God, would you forgive us our debts? Okay, and that's what Sheila just talked about in that picture. Okay, we talk about a prophetic picture. What do we mean by that? It means God speaking to us in illustrations and analogies and examples that we can understand. That, that justification, that's a once and for all thing. When we pray to become a Christian, we say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I ask for your forgiveness. We receive his forgiveness. We're adopted into the family of God. We become citizens of the kingdom of God. However, as we go on, that's a done deal. There's still things in everyday life that we do wrong. And every day we come to God and say, God, would you forgive me my debts? Would you forgive me on my sin against you? I thought wrong on this. I said a word I shouldn't have said. I watched this that I shouldn't have watched. I should have done good at this point, and I didn't. Lord, forgive me of my debt. And we're honest before God with that. And we receive his forgiveness, just as I've forgiven those who have wronged me. Such an important, vital part. We'll come back to it one more time. 
Then Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, from the evil one. Now that lead us not into temptation, that's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it? Okay? Because as we looked at, do you remember we talked about temptation in Jesus a couple of weeks ago? Jesus was tempted. And we said how that word tempted also can mean testing. And you kind of think, well, James 1 says that God doesn't tempt us into evil. And yet we see that God allowed Jesus to be tempted and tested. Then why are we praying? Like, I get a bit confused on that one. Well, many times in the Word of God, God gives us commands to pray, even though our circumstances are different. So Paul's able to write, while he's in jail, while he's being persecuted by authorities, able to say, hey, we need to pray for those in authority. And you're like, Paul, what are you talking about? And it's kind of similar in that way. Jesus saying, pray that you will be delivered from temptation and testing that will cause you to do evil. And Jesus can also say other words. As you go through trials and sufferings, you can rejoice in them. And the commentators say this. A lot of it has to do with this. We're praying, just as the psalmist did in Psalm 23. We're praying, Lord Jesus, our Father in heaven, would you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake? God, we want to be delivered from the evil one. We want to put our trust and trust that Father is going to release us and free us from all the trickery of the evil one so that we can walk on the path that God has for us. So we want to be led in paths of righteousness. Hey, folks, once again, this is a model for prayer. It's an example of prayer. They're launching pads to get you started, and then you can take off with your own words as the Holy Spirit helps you in your prayers. And we start with God, and we get to our own needs, and our needs are in the context of community. And just in closing, because our time's gone, okay? just have to say how Jesus emphasizes again the importance of forgiveness. Prayer and forgiveness are connected, and Jesus wants a forgiving community. And yes, your prayers can be hindered if you hold on to unforgiveness. So when we pray, okay, we have to make sure our heart's right. And Jesus talks a lot about, okay, before you do stuff, make sure that you're, as you can do your part, are in right relationship with each other. Okay? Your prayers can be hindered. It's a warning to us if we hold on to unforgiveness. So let's not hold on to it. Let's get rid of it. Then Jesus talks about this, talks about fasting. Again, it's an unimportant part of abstaining from, a lot of times it's food, and here's the key, you've got to take the time that you would use to eat and use that to focus on God. So it's no good fasting all day if you never pray or seek God. You'll just be hungry and grumpy, okay? We don't want hungry, grumpy people, okay? You've got to take time that you would use, and that's why fasting isn't just food, although there's many good things to it, you might fast TV, you might fast Facebook or email, you might fast something else in order for you to spend time with God and to pray and to seek his word. And fasting is really good because it helps us in our self-discipline. It helps us not to be so worldly. Every time I fast, you come back, you're just like, when you go to pray to eat, guess what? You won't forget grace after you fasted. You will go, God, thank you for this food. You might skip through it if you never fast. But after you fast, you're like, I'm very thankful. Everything tastes better afterwards. Self-discipline, it gets you focused on God. It shows you're serious with God. 
God, I'm giving up things so I can focus on you. And God rewards us in many ways. And just to close with this, as Jesus said, when you fast. So these three things are when you give, when you pray, when you fast. They're all expected. And so for us as a church, okay, so personally, when you pray and when you fast, the onus is on us to take responsibility because you're not to go around bragging about it. You're not to go around promoting it. Okay, don't put on Facebook, hey, I fasted today in order to, you'll get your reward, but that will be it right here. Okay, a lot of times, okay, in Jesus' day, hey, they went, you know, around and people could tell they're fasting because they didn't comb their hair and they didn't shave and those things. Jesus said, hey, go about your daily routine. Hey, don't, you don't have to brag about it. You don't have to tell anyone any great thing. Hey, I'm giving up this because I'm going to fast. Don't do that. Just do it. Just in your normal everyday life. Start with one meal. Take one noon hour. You've got 60 minutes. Instead of going to the mall, get in your prayer closet, give up your meal, and just focus on God and just go through this prayer as a model. And I guarantee it, it will lead you to more fasting and more prayer. We get to pray together corporately, together. I encourage you. Okay, every Sunday night, the reason why we do it every Sunday night is we realize you can't probably get there every Sunday night. But if we only did it once a month and you couldn't make it, it would be two months before you got together for our prayer. So we're going to go every week, and if it's 10 people one week and 60 people the next, we're probably going to get 70 different people than if we just did it on one night a week and we got maybe 30. And it's powerful, and you get to learn to pray together. So we encourage you, come on out. Okay? Start with once a month if you can do it. You're praying in your life groups. Okay? You've got lots of model how to pray this week in your life group. You might want to take most of the meetings instead of just talking about it. Do it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then church-wide. And so in the new year, okay, we're going to encourage some fasting together. Okay? So some things we can do publicly. We can say, hey, we as a church are going to take a look at some of these things. We need to fast for. We need to see some of the things we're doing. We need to see people's lives changed. And we're going to be more serious about it. And we're going to seek God more together and asking God to transform lives. We've got some difficult situations. We need to pray even more for God. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Okay, some of us are praying different nations this week. This Thursday, we're praying for a specific thing. We're fasting together. Technology is great. That way you can come at it together because we, we need a breakthrough. We're going to be praying for New Year, believing God for a building, help with all that. Okay, we need to seek God together. So as we end, let me just lead us in a prayer. Okay, let me just pray and walk through this, and we'll close on this because our time's gone. We want to honor our kids' church workers. So if you're able, let's stand. Okay. And why don't you join with me? And praying together, again, we're trying to model and teach you to equip you to pray for every single one of us. We have this privilege to be able to pray. So let me pray, and you can join with me. You can say yes in your heart to these prayers, okay, that I'll lead us on for all of our behalf, right? Father in heaven, just thank you today. We get to call you Father. Thank you for Jesus who brings us 
that adoption into your family. We know that you rule and reign over all. Your word says that you are Lord of all. You're a great creator. You sustain all things. And that, God, you're bringing all things together, Lord, for your purposes and plans. And, God, we pray today, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. God, we pray, Lord, for people in Connecticut. Lord, we pray for people in Vietnam. We pray for people in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Lord, we pray for people in our own backyard here in Fredericton. Lord, we pray for your salvation to come. Lord, we pray for people to be saved and added to your family. Lord, we pray for people to be healed, Lord, from physical ailments. Lord, we pray, Lord, for people to be healed emotionally and spiritually. Lord, we pray, Lord, for deliverance. God, we pray for people to be delivered from demonic spirits and wrong ways of thinking. Lord, in cultural strongholds, Lord, we pray, God, for a great release of power by your Holy Spirit. God, we pray for a release of love. God, we pray for a release of forgiveness. Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done. Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, that the name of Jesus would be honored and glorified. God, we pray, Lord, we're so desperate for you. God, we say, let your kingdom come, Lord. And God, we pray for our daily bread. God, we pray, Lord, we know all things come from you. God, and we pray, Lord, for us to, spirit of generosity, to share, Lord, freely. Lord, you would provide, Lord, food on t- people's tables and shelter and clothing. But, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we'd be a forgiving community. God, we pray that people would see Jesus Christ and know that he is the one that gets us right with you, that we can call you Father, that we can be forgiven. And as we experience this great freedom, and release from being forgiven, that we can forgive others. God, and we pray for all of us, Lord. Lead us not into temptation, Lord. Deliver us from the evil one, God. Lord, would you lead us in your paths of righteousness, that you would be honored and glorified and made known. Lord, that you would keep us from sin. Lord, we pray today, God, for this church, Lord, for brothers and sisters around the world. Lord, let this be so, for your glory and for our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.